Well, hey guys, if you don't know me, my name is Hudson. I am the Young Adults Pastor here at All People's Church. Can I get a what up, Young Adults? Come on. Hey, I'd love to meet you. Me and my crew, we'd love to meet you at the uh, meet and greet right after the service. Come hang out with us. Grab some charcuterie. It's going to be great. Um, but hey, guys, while I'm up here, while I got the mic, while I got the whole church within my grip, um, I actually got to take this moment to apologize for something. You see, the Lord has given people many spiritual gifts. He's, this is my theory, okay? This is Hudson theory. I think he's given me a spiritual deficit where I have a really hard time remembering names. Y'all are laughing because it's true. If I've met you multiple times, I just want to apologize. I grew up on a rock in the middle of the ocean, and out there, I only had to, like, remember, like, 20 people. And so, like, and they're all, like, Hawaiian names, like Kainalu and stuff like that. So as I'm meeting new people, the Lord is growing my capacity daily, and now I can remember white people names like Robert. So... I'm sorry if we have to meet multiple times, but guys, I'm kidding. I love all people's church. I love serving on staff here. Uh, the pastors are so great. I want to be just like them when I grow up someday. And I just, these guys are so fun. Uh, a little bit about me. I was born and raised in Kauai, Hawaii. I was like a little surf rat. Yep, yep, you got some Hawaiians out there. Um, I'm actually a high school dropout. That's a fun fact. Uh, I moved to England to study the Bible, and then I moved to Austria to study the Bible some more. And then I came back, and I went to Point Loma Nazarene University, and I got a degree in software engineering. That was pretty fun. Uh, growing up, I was like this street rat, um, beach bum, so I like never wore shoes or a shirt. Uh, I was dirty all the time. I'm definitely not from Waco, Texas. I have been grafted into the Antioch movement like the Gentile that I am. And it turns out it takes about eight years from the day that you walk in the door until they let you preach on a Sunday service. So we're going to have some fun this morning. Well, when I first came to All Peoples, I was actually a freshman in college. So all you college students, if you ever want to be up here, just keep coming. Um, I actually didn't want to come to All Peoples. I was more interested in a, I literally had a list, and I was rating them by their names because I'm super superficial. Um, and I was like, the rock sounds cool. I want to go there, you know? And then my, my RA was like, I'm going, I'm driving to all peoples. You want to ride? I'm like, eh, all peoples. Okay, fine. But when I got here, and many of you guys have this experience, when I got here, the presence of the Lord was here, like so thick. I was like, what? There's something about this place. There's something about these people. I've never felt God like this before. So I took my list. I crumpled it up. I had never been to some of the other churches, and we bless those other churches. We love them. I hear so many great things about all these different churches in San Diego. We love our San Diego churches. I've never been there, but I hear the great, and I hear God's moving, um, and I've been coming to all peoples, and I was just like, I got to get to know these people. I got to get to know the leadership. I was in college at the time, so I would go, go to our college services. I wasn't a leader, so I would just come early to, stack, to set up chairs, and I'd stay late to stack chairs just to hang out with leaders. Amen. Come on. Stacking chairs from our college pastor. Um, and so <laughs> eventually, uh, a young man asked to disciple me. I was like, what's that? Let's do it. So we started meeting up. And that's where really he started teaching me like how to hear from God. And I remember it was like, all everyone who's tried to learn how to hear from God, he's like, close your eyes. I'm like, okay, cool. He's like, what's God speaking to you? I'm like, 
I see black, bro. Like, I don't see anything. You know, so, uh, again, I'm not from Waco. Um, so, uh, I started getting discipled, and I started going to life group, and then I started leading a life group. I led my first mission trip to South Africa. That was awesome. Um, I graduated, and then I got a, a job in software engineering for a couple years, and then one day, Robert's like, hey, dude, I want you on staff. You should quit your job. I'm like, no. And then I prayed about it, and God's like, yeah, you should do it. I was like, no. So then I quit my job. That's a story for later. I uh, quit my job, and now here I am on all people's staff. It's been a journey. I am married to the beautiful Chloe. Bunch you right there in the front row. She's adorable. I met her when she was about eight years old. I was 13. And um, here is our earliest known photo of the both of us. Drink it up, family. I'm getting real right now. I mean, this is get real, get rocked, and give it away all in one picture. That is us. Wow, in Hawaii. Okay, you can take that down. You guys, you can't, you can't buy this kind of stuff. Anyway, so as we study the goodness of the gospel, my word today is called faith for resurrection. Oh, wow. Uh, and I want to talk about that one time where I dated my wife for six days before she dumped me. And obviously, to understand this, we need to turn to Mark chapter 1, first one, obviously, logically. So this is what it says, 1 verse 1. This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. If you're taking notes today, my first point is this. Pursue the promise. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you just renew our faith this morning, God. Give us faith for resurrection in our circumstance, faith for resurrection in our jobs, in our families, God. We ask that uh, you pour out your promises on all of us, God, that we can believe for the things that you've spoken, have faith in them, grow in our faith. Open our hearts today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as I've walked with the Lord, I've learned that he is a God who loves to give good gifts to his people. But he also loves to give promises ahead of time so that he can transform you on the way to the gift. And one of the most prominent promises I, that I've ever received was in 2017. I was in my home in Point Loma, and um, Chloe and I's family were really close uh, I actually, I've met her when she was really young. I'm really close with both of her brothers. There's two, two of my closest friends. I was in both of their weddings. They were both in mine. Uh, one year, I actually flew to Oklahoma to go have Christmas with them. Like, we're tight. I'm tight with their family. So they send me uh, Christmas cards every year, um, family Christmas cards. And, you know, what do you do with a Christmas card? I don't know. You put it on the fridge. So I put this Christmas card on the fridge, and I'm walking around in my own house, Minding my own business, and this is where God really likes to get you when you're just kind of like, eh, I'm just doing my thing. And, and so I'm walking through my kitchen, and I look at the Christmas card on the fridge, and I look at all the faces, and I see Chloe on that Christmas card. And then I just hear like this impression in my head, that's your future wife. And I'm like, and I already said that I'm not from Waco, Texas, so like I didn't grow up a charismaniac. So to me, I was like, huh. And like, I'm still learning that God can still speak to you it like, like that. You know, it's just an impression. 
but being the young Holy Spirit Padawan that I was, I heard this word, this is your future wife. And I'm like, that's weird. And I just walked away, just shelved it. You know, I was like, oh, weird. Okay, save that for a rainy day. Um, and had I been listening, I would have heard a promise being spoken over my life. Uh, but I wasn't listening that great. And so, oh, this is important. Big caveat. Before we go back to our scriptures, I, as a young adults pastor, need to help me and help you help me. Um, young adults, young people, unmarried people, if you, please, for my sake, do not go up to someone and say to them, God told me to, that you were going to marry me. I'm just going to say that's probably not going to work the way that you think it's going to work. And then I, someone's had this experience. Do not say that. That is a no-go. And then I'm going to have to counsel you. And then I'm going to have to counsel them. And then I'm probably going to need counseling myself. So let's just stay away from that whole God told me to marry you sort of thing. Um, I've only ever heard like a handful of people where God actually spoke for their significant other, and they got married. Like, I had a friend in college who was like, the name it and claim it, he was like, that girl right there, she's my future wife. So he's like, goes up to her, and he's all like, God told me we're going to get married. And she's like, do we worship the same God? <laughs> and and uh, they did not date. So if you ever want a chance, don't say it. I'm just going to say it. All right, back to our scriptures. Thank you, church, for... Obeying that. Um, save us all pain. So this is what our scripture says. Back to the scripture. Verse 3 says, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. See, the scripture, among many others, comes from Isaiah, actually. And it's the context for the goodness of the gospel. You see, in Isaiah, he was prophesying that the Messiah would come to the Jewish people and he would save them. And so... Jewish people had been holding on to this promise that the Lord had given hundreds of years back. And so we start off the book of Mark with a promise, saying this is the promise from God, that there is one coming who is going to save you, who is going to bring new life to you. And so that begs the question, like, what's the point of this? Why would God give a promise way ahead of time for us to wait for it? And the purpose of the promise is to transform you into a person of faith. Because oftentimes, it's really not about the promise. It's about getting there. It's about the process. And we can see this in the scripture uh, if you look at a place called Mount Moriah. Now, we're going to go way back to some Bible geography and study right here. So Abraham is called by God. Abraham is the father of Israel, right? He is called by God out of his home country into a new place. And Abraham has a son named Isaac. God says, sacrifice your son Isaac. So Abraham goes up to Mount Moriah. It's a place called Mount Moriah. He goes up on the mountain, Mount Moriah, and he goes to sacrifice his son. The Lord stays his hand. He doesn't sacrifice his son. And then Isaac has two, his two sons, Jacob and Esau. We're following down the um, Jewish line. Jacob has a bunch of sons, the 12 tribes of Israel. One of them's name is Joseph. Joseph go, is sold off to slavery in Egypt, if you remember this. Uh, he's in Egypt, and then eventually the rest of the family joins Joseph in Egypt, right, where Joseph provides for them during the famine, and they stay there for about 400 years. So a whole generation passes, and Moses is the next one in Egypt, right? 
And so then God calls them out of Egypt, out of slavery, because they've been enslaved to the Egyptian people. And God calls them out through the Red Sea, right? So God starts doing these crazy miracles. He's got the, the plagues, the river of blood. He goes through the Red Sea, and then they come out into the wilderness, and they spend 40 years in the wilderness. And then comes along Joshua. And are you guys following? It's good? Okay, cool. Uh, then comes along Joshua, and Joshua's like, hey, let's go take the promised land because God had been calling them out of Egypt into the land that he had promised for them, right? Promised land. And so Joshua's like, we can do it. We can take the promised land. Let's slay some giants. And so Joshua and his crew, they all go out. They take the whole people of Israel into the promised land, and they start clearing it out, start slaying those giants. And Joshua was the first, time, was the first person to inhabit the promised land with the people of Israel. After Joshua, we got judges. There is a few judges, and after that, we have kings. And that the first king is Saul, and after Saul comes David, and then after David comes Solomon. And Solomon is actually the one who built the temple of the Lord in Israel, which still exists today, on Mount Moriah. Oh, that's weird. And so what we're seeing here actually is that Abraham started in Mount Moriah. God brought them out of the promised land because they already started in the promised land. So God brought them out. And then brought them all the way, did all these crazy things along the way, and then brought them back in. They made a full circle. So what was the whole point of this thing? The whole point of the whole journey of the people of Israel was to know God along the way. It was never about the land in the first place. It was always about trusting in faith the Father through the Red Sea, through the wilderness, the plagues, the, all of that stuff. That's the purpose of the promise. It's to know God along the way. And it's never been about the destination. It has always been about the journey and the process that you have to go through before you receive your promise. Is it warm up here? Is it the Holy Spirit? Oh, my gosh. Guys, there is an area in your life that God is giving you a promise over. He's asking you to believe for it. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's... The promise is over our church that we're going to plant thousands of churches and we're going to actually have the, a building on the 8 freeway. Maybe the Lord is giving you promises to believe for. But it's the same area that the Lord is giving you promises where he's also asking you to pursue this promise. And my question is, how desperate are we, church? Because I meet with a lot of young men who want to be free from sexual sin. And I always ask, how free do you want to be? Like, how free do you want to really be? Because I'll take that phone. I'll take that laptop. How free do you really want to be? Because there's a promise out there waiting for you. But sometimes big breakthrough takes big moves. And so we want to be a desperate church, a church that is desperate to pursue the promises, who will do anything at any cost. We are willing to go through the process to get to the promise. Amen, church? So I want, to start, I want to follow the story of Peter because I see so much of us in him. And so let's skip ahead to Mark um, chapter 8, verse 31. And here we are. This is hundreds of years later after the promise, right? So the Messiah is here, Jesus himself. He's here. He's walking around. He's being all Messiah-ish, you know, healing people and doing all the prophecy stuff, you know. And so one day he gets his boys together. He's like, all right, boys, come here. We got to talk. Sits them all down. He's like, hey, I got something to tell you. And this is what he says. It says, then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, 
and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later, he would rise from the dead. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. First off, can you, like, imagine reprimanding the Son of God? Like, imagine Peter's like, yo, Jesus, come here. (laughs) And this whole God thing, it's not working for you, bro. Like, can you imagine that? But, okay, tell me honestly that you've never told God how to do his job before. Because we all, I mean, God told me that I was going to marry Chloe. I was like, nah, that's impossible. First off, because she lives in Oklahoma. And second off, which is like, who even knows where Oklahoma is, right? And second off, she was dating a guy for like two years, you know, and in Oklahoma, when you date someone, you marry them. So I was like, you know what? That's not going to happen. And God's all like, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I guess uh, getting you married is more difficult than literally building the universe. I'm like, okay. But honestly, some of us are stuck like Peter because we've honestly said to God, I don't have faith for resurrection. Therefore, you cannot do it in my circumstance. And if you're here this morning with the circumstance of desperation, I want to say that today is a new day of faith. Don't say that God can't bring life into your death. Don't say that God can't fix your marriage. Don't say that, you're, that God can't deliver your brother from addiction. Today is a new day of faith, and this is what God says to you. He says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Guys, streams have no business in the wasteland, but God is making streams in the wasteland. And sometimes some things need to die first before we can cry out for resurrection. And so one day, again, I'm just cruising and minding my own business, and I get this DM from Chloe on Instagram. She's responding on one of my stories. She goes, I like your shirt. I'm like, thanks. And we're friends. We talk, you know. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Like, how's, how's life? What's new? And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. I'm in school, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm single. I'm like, hold up. Girl? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the, the promise that Lord had spoken to me years prior, like, pops into my head. I'm like, oh, this could be it. Is this happening? This is a real thing. So I'm like, where are you at? She's like, I'm in Hawaii. I'm like, oh, it's crazy because I'm actually going to be there next week. I wasn't. But I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be there next week. So I go on Southwest, book a flight, you know, like fly out there, get off the plane. What's up, girl? How's it going? Remember this guy? And so we hang out over the summer, or over in Hawaii, and you know, I'm taking all the cool Hawaii spots. I'm like flipping my hair. Um, and... Uh, we, we kick it off. We have a great time. And then that was in March, I believe, of 2019. And I pursue her all throughout the summer. And it's going good. I'm like, God, you are the God of abundance. You're just giving me, all, you know, the promise. You spoke the promise. And I'm receiving the promise. This is so great, you know. And at the end of the summer, I'm like, I'm going to be married by the end of the year. Come on. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the summer, we're hanging out. And I'm like, hey, I want you to be my girlfriend. And, and she's like, yeah, let's do it. So we, we become official, and then it's so good. And six days later, 
I'm hanging out at home again. I got to stop hanging out at home. Um, and I get a FaceTime from Chloe, and she's like, hey, yeah, so I'm just confused. I'm like, red flags, you know. She's like, I think we should break up. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, like, what do you do with that? Like, this is now what God spoke. I'm like, hold like, this has been six days. Like, and so I'm like, this is not what God spoke. What, what do you do with that? I was like, this isn't how it's supposed to happen. I'm like expecting to totally marry this girl. And she's like, we should break up. I'm like, this is not how it's supposed to happen. This is not the promise that I thought I heard God say. What am I supposed to do? What's God going to do? What am I going to do? And I'll tell you what happened. After we look at Peter again. The suspense. So fast forward, Jesus, Peter's been hanging out with Jesus the whole time, but then we fast forward and Jesus is arrested, right? And the disciples are scattered. Peter's out there hacking off ears, you know, how Peter does. And uh, we go to Mark chapter 14, verse 66 through 71. It says this, so Jesus is arrested and Peter's kind of lurking, you know, and it says this, meanwhile, Peter was in the courtyard below, one of the servants one of the servant girls who worked for the high priest came by and noticed Peter warming his, himself at the fire. She looked at him closely and said, you were one of those with Jesus of Nazareth. But Peter denied it. I don't know what you're talking about, he said, and he went out into the entryway. Just then a rooster crowed. When the servant girl saw him standing there, she began telling the others, this man is definitely one of them. But Peter denied it again. A little later, some of the bystanders confronted Peter and said, you must be one of them because you are a Galilean. Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know this man you're talking about. And immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. He broke down and wept. It only gets worse. The story continues and Peter doesn't get to say, I'm sorry. He doesn't get to say anything because Jesus is brought to the cross and murdered on the cross. It says this, Mark chapter 15, 33. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. Then at 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Mark 15, 37 says, then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. Now place yourself as Peter. Peter, the disciple, the friend of Jesus. Here he has reprimanded Jesus. In his, as, far as, as long as he's known Jesus, I mean, they've been friends. But at this point, he's reprimanded Jesus. He's turned his back on Jesus, the Messiah. He said, I don't even know the guy. And that same promise was murdered on the cross before his very eyes. And I can just imagine Peter saying, this is not how it was supposed to happen. It was never supposed to be this messy. The promise wasn't supposed to look like this. Jesus was supposed to save us. He wasn't supposed to die. Like, what do I do now? Jesus was my ticket home. I'm lost. I'm in the dark. And those next three days must have been the hardest days of Peter's entire life. And I call that the gap. That's the gap between the death and the resurrection. And I feel like a lot of us today are, are in that gap where we've had a promise, but it's seemingly died or it hasn't come through yet or we're, we're just in that gap waiting for God to do a resurrection. 
And so here I am, Chloe's breaking up with me, and I'm in the gap. I'm like, this is not right. This is not what God spoke. My situation is not my revelation. And so I'm, I'm a pretty smooth talker. So we're FaceTiming, and I'm all like, and she's trying to break up, break up me, and I'm like, you're probably just hungry. <laughs> you sure you want to do this? I'm like, maybe you should pray about this. <laughs> I'm not throwing anything I got at this. You know, I'm like, God, if there's any time to fight, like, it's right now. You know, and so I'm like, I'm trying to convince her with all that I got not to break up with me. And I actually, guess what? I actually do. I convince her not to break up with me. And she, well, hold on. I postpone it. I'm like, she's like, I'm like, let's talk on Friday. She's like, fine. Like, we'll talk again on Friday. Um, I don't know if it's going to be any different, but we'll talk on Friday. I'm like, I bought myself a couple days, you know. And so, so I'm like, cool, we'll talk on Friday. Why don't you? Spend some time in prayer, you know, like, I feel like maybe this is, you know. So I'm like, let's talk on Friday. We hang up. I'm like, all right, God, let's do some business right now because this is not what I'm expecting. And so I pray all night long. Literally, I'm just praying, praying, praying. I'm asking the Lord, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Because this is, this is uncharted territory. And I get two things from the Lord. The first one was that God says she's not ready Actually, you got to go break up with her. I'm like, Pfft. and then the second thing was, after you break up with her, I want you to pray and fast for this specific relationship for the next 40 days. And I'm like, nah, <laughs> no. <laughs> First, because I still got a chance. So you understand? I still, like she didn't break up with me. She could come back and be like, actually, I was just kidding. Like let's stay together. So I'm like, I still got a chance. If I if I break up with her, then it's done. You know. And then second off, like, praying fast 40 days, no way. Like, crazy people do that. Like, Joe Ewan does that. And I'm not that. And like, that's insane, you know? So, but big breakthrough takes big moves. And God is asking me to have faith in his process. And guys, faith, it's an action word. And when a word of God comes into your life, the appropriate response is to be moved into action. James 2.17 says that faith without works is dead, and that's merely because faith begs for action. Did you know that every area where God asks you to have faith, he also asks, asks you to take action? I mean, think about Joshua. God's like, I'm going to give you this city, but first got to walk around these walls. There's an action piece attached to it. Think about Moses. He's like, hey, I'm going to deliver you from these Egyptians, but first got to confront your Pharaoh. This is because no promise comes without a fight of faith. Why? Because before God wants to put a change in your situation, first he wants to put a change in you. And so I call her the next day, and we break up. And she thinks we're done, and I'm like, we're just getting started. <laughs> and for the next 40 days, I'm praying and fasting, asking the Lord for a resurrection. And I'm talking like, Hardcore, like, I, like before work, I wake up early, and I'm still a software engineer at this point, so I have to go to work. And, and so anyway, I, I wake up early, and I'm praying before work. After work, I come home, I'm praying before, after work. I'm wearing down my carpet, pacing back and forth, crying out to the Lord for a resurrection in my circumstance. And I'm thinking, am I crazy? Like, what is happening? This doesn't make any sense. I'm not this type of guy. Like, if any of the guys I was discipling was like, hey, this girl wants to break up with me, I'd be like, well, you should probably just... She probably doesn't want to be with you, you know. I'm like, I would not even give myself this own advice, you know. And my second point is this. 
Stop thinking rationally. Because if it made sense, it wouldn't be called faith. And here, Peter is reprimanding the Son of God, saying, you can't die because that doesn't fit into my box that I've created for you. And this is especially hard for me because I'm an engineer. I'm a software guy. You know, I think logically. So, like, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. But Jesus says, God says in Isaiah 55, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And sometimes we can walk away from God's promise when we let our expectations cancel our revelation because it doesn't fit into the mold of our situation. Like, do you think that Joshua really expected when he heard from, like, that, that he was going to take cities by walking around their walls? Like, he's all ready to fight, and God's like, you know what, just do a lap. Yeah. And <laughs> I bet he was like, that's not what I expected. And what if he had just dismissed that, being like, ah, that's not what I expected, so it can't be from God. What about the disciples who went out to feed 5,000 people, and all they found was five loaves and two fish? Do you think that they really expected that this little bit that they found was really going to feed 5,000 people? What if they're like, oh, well, we didn't find enough, and they didn't even bring it before God? And some of you are in this place right now where you're saying, this is not what I expected. You know, my situation is not enough. I don't have enough to see the promise fulfilled. Can I tell you that just like those disciples with a little bit of fish and a little bit of bread, little is much when God is involved. God can take your little situation and he can give you leftovers. And so I prayed for, I pray and fast for 40 days straight. And I'm, I'm like fighting the good fight. And this, honestly, guys, this is not like some romantic story. Uh, it was a very, 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 very hard season of my life. Um, probably the hardest I've ever walked through. I mean, I was experiencing so much spiritual warfare. I, I got sick. I um, had all these crazy nightmares, like waking up in the middle of the night, sweating. And, and like, I never have nightmares, so that's unique for me. I'm just being afflicted. And I wanted to give up so many times. And this is actually the journal that I wrote in every single day for 40 days and plus. Um, and I just want to read you guys, just for a little transparency, a little bit out of this journal here. This is on September 21st, 2019. This is what I write. For everywhere I look, I see discouragement. But Lord, you command me not to be afraid or discouraged. Every thought I have is of how impossible this is. Lord, purify my mind. Give me faith. Lord, give me encouragement. How foolish do I feel right now? Lord, did you really speak this? Lord, bring me encouragement. Fulfill your promise. Make haste, Lord, for I am weak. And so that gives you a, a glimpse into this battle for me. So I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm wanting to give up. But every time I feel like giving up, I just have conviction to keep going. And I'm just like, oh, one more step ahead, one more step ahead. And I get through these 40 days, and I'm like, praise the Lord, I made it through the 40 days. Now God's promise is going to come through. Now it's going to happen. And so I'm ramping up. I'm getting all hopeful. And, and I'm like, okay, end of my 40 days. We haven't, and we haven't even talked this whole time, right? And so I'm like, I'm going to send her a text. 
I'm going to say something encouraging. I don't know. I'm just going to shoot my shot out there, right? And I send a text, and guess what comes back? Nothing. Nothing. And I'm like, God, how on earth are you going to turn this nothing into something? I'm like, God, where is this promise? I was supposed to see, I, I thought after 40 days, surely enough, I'd have paid my penance or whatever I was doing, you know? Like, I thought, God, there would be something after 40 days, and there was nothing. I didn't see anything. And I think one of the hardest parts of our faith journey is when we're expecting to see something, but we see nothing. And I'm walking in faith that God was going to do something with my sacrifice, but I saw literally nothing. But guess what happened the first time Joshua walked around those walls? Nothing. And guess what happened when Peter woke up on Saturday after Jesus had been crucified? Nothing. Nothing had changed. And I wonder if you're in your faith journey right now where you're seeing nothing. Because you know what you heard. And you sense what the Lord spoke. But what you see is not what you sense. And I know what it feels like to be hearing something but looking at nothing. And then the enemy actually comes with a question that he asked in the Garden of Eden to Eve. He asks you this very same question. Well, did God really say that? You know, he goes, did God really say that you were going to see healing in your body? Did God really say that you were going to see your marriage fixed? Did God really say that you were going to have breakthrough in your finances? Did God really say that he would restore your relationship? And then your faith is shaking because, honestly, you don't even know anymore. You're like, I don't know anymore. I thought he did, but I don't know. Have you ever been there? And so what do you do? What do you do with that? What do you do when your situation is not your revelation? And this is where we upgrade from how to follow Jesus 101 to how to follow Jesus 501. Because I remember sitting with Robert. You know what happens when you sit with Robert? I'm like, Robert, how long do I wait for this? Because at this point, it's after the 40 days plus some. And I'm like, Robert, how long do I wait for this? When can I move on? He's like, well, did God really speak this over you? And I was like, I think so. And he's like, okay, well, if God really spoke this, then you need to wait until she marries someone else. And I'm like, bro, I will leave this church, and I will go somewhere else where they tell me truths that I want to hear. <laughs> My goodness. No, I do not come to church to hear things that I want to hear. I come because there are things that I need to hear. And some of those things are that no word that proceeds from the mouth of God will ever return void. Because this is how faith feels, people. I mean, you're still seeing nothing. What do you do? Pray again. You're still seeing nothing. Declare it over your life again. You're still seeing nothing. Worship again, people. I mean, we live in a generation that just wants to stop short. And don't give up until God has actually broken through. It's not finished until he says it's finished, and you're not done until he releases you. And some of you are saying, oh, cool, Hudson, that works for you. You got the girl, literally. Like, and my question for you is, well, what did he speak to you? Did he speak it? And where's your faith for that? Because faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And just because you can't see it, it does not mean he didn't speak it. So pray again and worship again and declare it again. 
Watch out. And for all of us that are given up on faith, given up on the promise, my third and final point is for us, and it's called including me. It comes out of Mark 16, 1 through 7, the resurrection. It says this, Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the son of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were, on the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone from, for us from the entrance of the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which is very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You were looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go tell his disciples, including Peter, church, say including Peter. Now say including me. That Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. Guys, you see the significance of this text. The angel made a specific note for Peter. Peter, the one who took God aside and scolded him. Peter, the one who denied Jesus so many times. Peter, the one who watched his promise die on the cross. Peter, the one that all of us have been at one point in our lives, maybe today. And Jesus made sure to tell his angel this. Hey, make sure that Peter is there because I got a resurrection for him. And I know that you feel like you failed. And I know that you feel like giving up. But you better walk out of that tomb because the promise you're looking for, he isn't there. Because I got the good news of the gospel this morning, guys, and that is that there's a resurrection for each of you in your job, in your marriage, in your family, in your kids, whatever it is, behind every failure, Jesus has the power to do a resurrection. And it took God seven months, it's a long time, folks, to do what he needed to do in me before I was, before I was ready for that resurrection. Seven months of nothing, seven months of extreme faith building to build me into the husband I needed to be to receive that promise. And then randomly, out of nowhere, I'm minding my own business again, I got a FaceTime from Chloe. I'm like, immediately start sweating, you know? I'm like, what's going on? Like, what is she calling me? Because we're not really, we're not talking at all, actually. And so she starts FaceTiming me. I'm like, what is going on? Like, I wonder if she's got like a tech question or something, you know? I don't know what it is. So, you know, I'm checking my breath, and she can't even smell it over FaceTime. But so I answer the phone, and, and she's like, hey. I'm like, yo. And, and uh, she's like, hey, I was just uh, I'm sitting here, and I was watching the sunset, and I thought you might like it. So look. And I'm like, I don't think this is about a sunset. <laughs> I'm like, God, is this the promise coming back to life? I'm like, is it game on again? Like, I'm like, oh, nice sunset. Cool. So then, so I'm like, okay, something's going on. Something's going on. So we start talking. And I, honestly, I still can't believe it. I'm like, I'm not going to be hoodwinked again. So I was like, prove it to me. I'm like testing God. I'm like, prove it to me. I tell Chloe, I was like, if you're serious, fly to San Diego. Let me take you on a date. And she's like, bet. 
And so she flies out here. And during the whole 40 days, I'm praying like two specific words over her. I'm praying, and you can read it all inside this journal. Well, I won't let you read it, but I'll read it to you. Um, those two words are clarity and perspective. And so I'm praying for that for her this whole 40 days. And we're talking, and thing, I'm like, okay, I think she's serious. I'm like, okay, what changed? What's different? She's like, I don't know. I feel like last year, like, I was in such a fog, you know. I don't really know what I was doing. I was confused. But I just feel like the Lord has given me such, such clarity and perspective. I'm like, Argh. I'm like, God, stop it, God. Like, I'm just freaking out, you know. And, you know, later down the line, we were close to engagement, and she said, actually, during one of my quiet times, uh, the Lord spoke to me, and he said that I was supposed to marry you, and that's one of the main reasons I came back. And I was like, whoo! And I'm like, why did God give me the promise, like, way in advance, and I, let me go through all that? Couldn't we have gotten at the same time? That would be great. But whatever, you know? <laughs> and that's the thing, guys. Like, your resurrection will happen when it's ready. You know, the Lord spoke that same promise you spoke to me, but to her later, because that's when she needed it. And I needed to go through the process of faith. And so that was late March of 2020. And we started dating in May of 2020. And then I asked her to marry me in November. She said, I do six months later. And that was all that in less than a year. Isn't that crazy? Like January 2020, I was like cruising, single as a Pringle. December 2020, I'm engaged. I'm like, this is crazy. And my head is swimming, guys. And what I want to say is you guys do not know how the story ends. So stop telling God what he can't do and start believing for the things that he can do. Amen. Because God is faithful. And no word that proceeds from the mouth of God will ever return void. Why don't we all stand up?